Human design is an amalgamation of several facets of spirituality. The I Ching, astrology, chakras, Kabbalah, all combine beautifully into one system. Mary Rose and Mary Letitia have been exploring their own designs for the last year. This podcast is an extension of that exploration. Come learn, laugh, and grow with us as we become Guided by Design. Well, hello there on this cold Montana morning. Good morning. It is cold this morning, although our temperature gauges say something different. Either way, it's freaking cold. It's freaking cold. Yeah, I'm snug in my bed. I'm Actually, the computer is warming my lap like a little heat pad for my lap. Um, yeah, it's been cold the last few days, and I don't know. Thanks, climate change. We're... It's we get snow and we get this extreme cold. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to get above above um, thirty all week, but then I seen it. it. It keeps fluctuating, but either way, it's just cold, and it's not even January wet yet. January and February are our cold months, and you're yeah. not even there yet. So. Yep. So it's buckle get- up, Buttercup. Nasty. <laughs> I was just looking at the weather for the next few days and it looks like, yeah, I'm not seeing it's supposed to get above 30 until the weekend, which will be very interesting. Um, yeah, just super grateful for a warm house and space heater. We had to, my husband has been sitting in front of a space heater quite a bit, just heat to warm himself up because he goes out of the house occasionally and, Yesterday it was like 19 degrees, so we were like, "Oh, it's a heat wave. We'll go, go do some, some quick shopping." The kids wanted to go out and spend some of their Christmas money, so um, I took them to Target. And then today I will probably, I'm gonna be nice and take my daughter and a couple of her friends to the mall for a couple hours. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I what? managed to make it all the way through the holiday season without going into the mall. And, but I had, um, I got Michaela, I couldn't find a big gift for her. She wanted a reading chair. She wanted an old antique reading chair, similar to the one that we used to have. And I couldn't find one. I looked everywhere. She wants the high backed ones. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. And, um, with a little ottoman and I, I found one at a used furniture store, but the thing was fucking pink, like pink crushed velvet it was so ugly I couldn't do it so the other thing that she had mentioned and I've been kind of keeping in her my back pocket is she wanted a gun so I bought her a 22 revolver I actually just bought her the box of bullets for Christmas and I wrapped the little box of bullets and I put it in her basket with all of her other stuff I got her a bunch of kitchen little kitchen gadgets and you know coffee cups and just a lot of random stuff in a basket and she comes over to me and she says, where's the rest of this? <laughs> and she opened the bullets and she's like, what? I said, well, honey, um, it's a legal process and the gun has to be in your name. So you have to fill out all the paperwork 
and it, it will be your gun. We just have to do it separately from this. So that's what her and I did yesterday afternoon. Good. We that is responsible gun ownership mm-hmm. at its finest, y'all. Like if you want to own a gun, we're not saying you can't, no. but you fucking right way. <laughs> you don't yep. buy Facebook. You don't go and you have to do it so that somebody knows that that gun belongs to you. Because if it's stolen, it's essentially, in my opinion, it, it, it has to be something that they can trace. Yep, to absolutely. And, and I'm cheap. So I immediately, after I went and looked at the new stores, I went to the pawn shops and I checked it out. <gasps> pawn shops want th- almost twice as much for the same gun. So I looked at three or four, just 22 revolvers. These are just simple old guns, right? $350 at the pawn shop, sometimes 400. I'm like, are they trying to add antique value? Because they went and bought a brand new one for 199. Hmm. Brand new Ruger revolver. It's gorgeous. It's just, and they're well-made. The safeties are better. You know what I mean? So I was like, we're just going new. And that way all the paperwork is straight because that's the other thing. I didn't like the paperwork process at the pawn shop last time. It seemed a little, not quite legit. So I'm happy with what we did. So, but I, I made her do it all in her name so that it's all traceable for her. It's a a revolver is the one like a, like a sheriff, like dirty, like, you know, and you, you use the back yeah <laughs> yeah pocket that's so funny yeah well and it's just a really good gun to start out with if you're gonna start and you just want to shoot for pleasure the ammo is fairly cheap with and, yeah and you don't really need to be able to shoot a dozen or more rounds at a time like get no, it's really about getting accurate and and like being accurate. So, so um, after that, I got to go see my son ride. He was out at the Miller barn in Laurel. So him and Josie were riding. I got there just in time for the baby to wake up and I held the baby the whole time. Oh, my ex-husband and his girlfriend showed up to watch the baby, but no worries. I took care of the baby the whole time. I wouldn't let anybody else hold her. <laughs> like, Poor oh, she, needs to, she needs to eat. Will somebody make her a bottle? Thank you. God. It was, it was brilliant, but he was really excited because I told him, I just bought, you know, we just got the rest of Michaela's Christmas present. So she's really excited to have you take her shooting. He goes, does she work tomorrow? Can I take her tomorrow? Oh, wow. (laughs) He's off for a couple weeks this winter. So um, I was like, no, but she's going to text you and, and really make plans so you guys can go shooting. So, so that was, that was my day. That was the good part of my day yesterday. It ended well is what I'm trying to say. Good. Yeah, I went and got to say goodbye to my California friends before they fly out today. Um, we got to see them. Well, we got to see them about three times this trip, which is a record for us, other than when we went and stayed with them, because they have a lot of family stuff that they got to do while they're here. So they came up like the day after they arrived from California, and then we saw them day before yesterday they came over and spent a few hours with us just hanging out and visiting and then yesterday the while thad was still working the kids and i stopped over before we went home from target and got to hang out with them a little bit longer so it's funny because you know thad and brian really get along very well like that's the funny thing about having a friend for 20 years it's like he's always been my friend we don't 
like now we've got spouse, you know, we have partners and children and stuff. But yesterday it was just for, for the most part of the time I was there, it was just me and Brian and our kid because Marina was off shopping with his mom and sister. And so, um, and I just, we went and we looked through photo albums from about the time that he and I had met, which was in, I think it was in 2001. Yeah. We met in 2001. So we have like officially now been friends for 20 years. Wow. He's one of the, and I, I was mentioning that to Thad, like, that's just really, I don't know. It's just really fun that I've known someone for that long, that he's a guy friend that has always been a guy friend. Like there's never been, never been even a hint of a crush on my part with Brian. And I only can assume that that's the case for him too, because he's always known that. So <laughs> it would be pointless to have a crush on me if you. <laughs> so did you guys meet like when you were in college or was it? Oh, I was not in college um, because it was right after I'd finished chemo and radiation but I my one of my first jobs getting back into the workforce because you know we moved to Billings and I had to like I wanted to really start helping pay for stuff it's just amazing when I think about how broke we were like when I think about how broke we were 20 years ago it's just it blows my mind um but we met at Red Lobster we were both he didn't (laughs) this is he it was his like summer college job and he was a host and I was a hostess. So we were up front. We would mm-hmm. work up front. We didn't, we weren't servers. We weren't in the kitchen. We were just the two kind of jackasses that would stand out front and take people to their tables yeah. and stuff. So that was like a young, it was for, it was a lot of like 20, 21 year old people that worked up front. Mm-hmm. Um, but you did have to have some skills at understanding like where people where servers were sections you know making sure that you you were appropriately cycling rotating through and giving people the stuff so um that was our job that we met at and then yeah we just always like when he'd come to billings we'd stay in touch but then you know eventually he was going to usc and it's so funny now because i can't talk a lot about what he does but he is like literally launching shit into space wow like he's a, and he is very like big wig at it so he can't even tell us most of the time he can't even tell us like what he's working on because his government clearance is so high so it's just it is pretty pretty cool to think like he's one of those people that's like like he, common sense wise sometimes very <laughs> because he doesn't have the brain power for the common sense stuff because he can do like he can launch telescopes and and shit into space like no it makes sense common he, sense is not common sense it's uncommon sense but when somebody is intellectually smart like that like you said they don't necessarily have room for the basic shit <laughs> yeah but so we, remember when that misty too was at red lobster well, Misty actually was the one that kind of got me that job um, oh, because I, I, Thad had been friends with her ex at the time. And when I told, and I, I was saying to Thad, I was telling him a, a story about, and he was there that night, but there had been some, some um, drugs and alcohol imbibed and he's like, was I there? And I was like, yeah, I think you were. I'm pretty sure I remember you being there. <laughs> 
but he he's like but i'm like but i spent a lot of time with brian and brian's friends without thad because thad would spend a lot of time with um misty's ex and and their friends without me so we had kind of i wouldn't say completely separate friend groups but we'd go off and do things without the other um but yeah misty was the one that got me that job at red lobster because she worked there and but brian now i see brian more than i see misty so (laughs) interesting and he lives in california (laughs) yeah he's that's the family you stayed with when you guys were down there right that's yeah. the to stay with. Awesome. And we love them. They've got great little girls and um Marina's just she's a she's a treasure. So he, he lucked he lucked out. I'm just did gonna he, say he that. Did good. <laughs> not she lucked out, it's he lucked out. So well usually it's that's the man that lucks out and gets a good woman. Oh, I don't even know how long we've been recording, but we probably should talk about have we listened to anything? Have we Oh, I literally, since we, since we have recorded last, I have cleared out my um, new episode log completely and then had to go subscribe to a couple new podcasts so that I can <laughs> listen to after Christmas. You're voracious. <laughs> You're like a black hole for podcasts. <laughs> so um, I listened to so much that um there was one that I really wanted to bring up, but now I can't remember what it was. I even went and listened to some old MFM just because I'm like, there's nothing. There's nothing in my in my podcast box. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I There are definitely episodes of things that I'll go back and re-listen to. That's the thing. You are just gobbling them up, and I am like, mm, I don't feel like eating right now. I don't feel like <laughs> it. Um. I haven't even listened to the last two Poogs because I haven't really felt like it. Oh, I was hoping you'd listen to the one that came out yesterday. Well, I (laughs) will. I just saw I was looking. I just saw that. I almost just texted you, charcuterie board, (laughs) randomly through the day while I was listening to that. So I can't wait for you to listen to that. Maybe while the kids are are doing the... the mall I might do that while I just go sit in my car and listen because I'm like where are my headphones I think those girls are hilarious <laughs> truly are I, I love cootery board um I did start watching and I don't know if I'll keep watching this is kind of the beautiful thing about me is like I might watch succession I might just watch three episodes and not keep watching it I don't feel necessarily compelled to go balls deep inside this show it's been i've laughed a little bit but yeah i'm it's it seems like there's a lot of tension and a lot of shows that have too much tension i tend to be like i don't need it i don't need it about me i just feel like it's rich white people problems and i just can't like i just can't spend any energy fucking listening to people babble about rich white people problems and i mean we're talking uber fucking rich white people problems so um, but what I did, I did start watching was that Yellow Jackets. Oh, yes. I think you, didn't you say you wanted to find it? Well, I, I mean, I, I had been, I'd heard a lot of good things about it. So I finally was like, we were sitting in front of the TV. It might've been, might've been Christmas day. Cause Christmas day is relaxed for us. I worked the morning and then I came home and opened some gifts and then, uh, we were just kind of going through the TV between games because the, there was football on, but it wasn't good football. 
And uh, so we started watching it. Now we've binged it all. We're up to having to wait till next Sunday for the new episode to come out. But it is freaking really good. It's really good. I'm really excited to see what happens. Josh is like, this is getting creepy. This is getting creepier as we watch it. I was like, yeah, but you still want to watch, don't you? He's you like, still yeah, watch. You. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. Of course, Dexter. I'm all caught up on Dexter too. There's only a couple episodes left. So I did do some watching more than, I mean, I listened to everything. Oh. I am. Um, I was really excited about that show. There's such good actresses in it. Like Juliet Lewis is in there. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Juliet Lewis and I love the role that she's playing in this. And when they did the matchup, because there's younger versions of them from high yes. school, and then there's the 45 and 50 year old versions of them now, you know, and I love that because, you know, we're that age. Um, you know, well, not 45, 50, but you know what I'm talking about. Like yeah. 20 years later, there's the version. They were always, yeah, they were always still of our generation, even if they were yeah. a little older than us. And then Christina Ricci is, also plays a role in this as one of the adults. And God, she's good. She is such a fucking good actress anyway. But like this role is like, I just can't get over it. I, every time she does something sinister, I'm like, oh, my God, she's so good. <laughs> I love her so much. So I'm really loving the actresses in this. I'm I'm really loving. And again, they're they're gr- women that we grew up with. So yeah, all of our generation. So really nice That's to how- see women our age still getting work and still getting roles and just fucking killing it. Like just yeah. killing it. So so I really I I really the actresses drew me in, and now they're keeping me there because they're playing these really intricate. Uh, roles that I'm I'm really excited to see how all this unfolds so yeah I don't even know much about what what's what the show is about I've seen show is about a a soccer team that was headed to nationals in Canada and crashes their plane crashes and they don't find these girls for 18 months so they spent eight months that's excessive yeah in in the the book hatchet it was like I, I'm referencing Hatchet because being a middle school uh, substitute teacher, yes. if you do any substituting in a middle school, you're going to come across that book. You're, you're talking about Hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, that's that just it kind of reminds me a little bit of Lord of the Flies, a little bit of that Alive movie where they're um, up on, on the mountain yeah. in the South America. Yeah, so it sounds like. Well, we haven't hit winter yet. It was spring, you know, when they crashed because it was soccer season. So, like, we haven't hit winter yet for the, they're going to go through at least one good ass long winter, maybe two, because it's in the Canadian wilderness and they're just in the fucking middle of nowhere. They found a lake and a cabin, but um, yeah, things, things have to get real weird for them to survive, I guess. So, you just get to see flashes of it sometimes and then you're you're, we're kind of getting the storyline from when they first crashed and then how they you know are trying to survive and of course there's also like big ass wolf packs out there and shit so you know they're 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 just starting to face some of those things and then you also see them as adults so the interesting thing is kind of knowing who survives because you mm. meet some of these people as adults so so far i think there's like four or five people that we know have survived this up to adulthood so like how did they do it and none of them will talk about it so that's the thing as adults they don't whatever happened out there cuz it sounds like there there becomes cannibalism 
Mm, oh yeah, of course. Of course. So well, none of them talk about it. And one of them's running for senator. So like people really want to know what the fuck happened out there. Yeah, like what happened. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna pay for showtime to watch it, but um it does sound really good. I'm sure it'll come out on some streaming thing after eventually. It. That's after how I watched Penny Dreadful, is I don't mm-hmm. think that we had showtime at the time. I think that um it was on Netflix for a while and I watched the whole series of Penny Dreadful, which oh, I really I enjoyed. Love. That's a real horny show. Yes. <laughs> Very horny. <laughs> All right. Well, we probably should get into this. Um, hopefully people are sticking around to listen since we <laughs> made this spend 20 minutes talking about. Yeah. Well, we, we didn't record last week, so we had a lot to catch up on. So. <laughs> We did. No, we had our we had our Christmas holiday. So, so what are we talking about today, Mary? Our our particular. So we're kind of cycling through these different channels, and we started with the the two that you and I share, and then we've been alternating one of mine, one of yours. Now we're back to one of mine, and so today's channel is the nineteen forty nine, the channel of synthesis. Um, so just a little background on this. It is considered, I was looking at some of the information, a tribal channel or it's in a tribal circuit. It is projected and it is also in the ego circuit, even though it's not connected to the, um, the ego center itself. So it is the connection between the, the root at gate 19, which is the gate's gate of approach and wanting there's like three different words as i was looking at different resources it was needs approach wanting and then the gate 49 in the solar plexus which is the gate of principles or revolution um so just my notes i'll i'll go through a couple of my notes it talks about being extremely sensitive and i'm like i'm not fucking sensitive And balancing of needs to create fair decisions. So balancing the needs of the self with the needs of the tribe in order to create an equitable, fair uh, decision or resolution. Um, Recognition is necessary. That was a big piece of this because it is a projected channel. Invitation is really the name of the game when it comes to entering into relationships um that my value i'll just say my value and importance needs to be seen uh in entering into a relationship for it to be i guess maybe correct for me because i you know there are people that you meet that won't be a relationship that you have you're going to meet a lot of people that aren't going to turn into a relationship um, but I, again, I'm not, I feel like there's a difference between trying to prove that I'm going to be beneficial to that person versus them seeing the benefit of knowing someone like me and then being willing to say, you know, I want to, I want to further continue to explore having a relationship with this person, even if it's just a friendship. So mm-hmm. Anyways, I'll let you kind of take a little bit of what you've learned because I didn't, I'm light on research today. 
Um, but you said that you were excited to talk about this. So I think it'll be interesting. I really am. I think it's kind of interesting. Like it's more exciting to talk about each other's uh, channels yeah. than it is our own because we know our ourselves. Exactly. So I loved that you just said that because the, the, um, I feel like that is really a piece of you. Like if people don't immediately like see the value of having you in their life and like ask you or invite you in, they don't get you. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that happen. And I just think that that's really interesting that that's the piece of this that you, you picked up on. I love the relationships piece of this. Um, so I have to first say that my books called it two different things different from what your research said. <laughs> so I had to go over that because the first book that I read, um, which is the human design, understanding human design, that one says that the channel 1949 is the love and marriage channel. I did see a little bit of that in the interpersonal section mm -hmm. of my book. So. Yep. And then the other book says that it is the channel of sensitivity. And I really have to read you this one sentence because when I read this, it, it just encompassed you to me completely. It says compassionate, tactile, sensual, super sensitive. You naturally feel everyone's wants, needs, and emotions and know how to meet them. And that really, really, really resonated with me about you because that is you. Whether you think you're sensitive, you are a sensitive soul. So that emotion, you, you pick up on everybody's everything and whether or not you want to sometimes. And yeah. I, I've, <laughs> I've watched you grow in the last, you know, what, God, 10 years. I don't know how long we've been friends, but a long time. I've watched you grow and be able to know when you don't want to read that energy and you have to leave a situation, a room, a, a place. And that's really good growth for you. Because I do feel like even it, it goes on to say, even blindfolded, you don't have to see shit, even blindfolded. If you walked into a room, you would be able to tell everyone's wants, needs, and emotions. And that is a lot, Mary. That is so much. It can become baggage. And you, with the growth that you've had, especially through human design, I've seen you shed that shit. Like you really only put yourself in situations that you want to know what everyone's needs, emotions, and wants are. Yeah. And I think that that is tremendous growth. And to, to, to see you be as sensitive as you are and still be able to maintain yourself. Junior high, you're in a junior high. Yeah. <laughs> part of your, <laughs> your work life right now. And to see you really be able to, you know, block when you need to block, only be in the classrooms you want to be in. Like you, you really are learning to make sure that you don't pick up additional baggage from people that you don't need. Yeah. Because when you're pulling all that in energy wise, you could be holding the weight of the world on your shoulders. But you really pick and choose, especially with these youngsters, you pick and choose where you're going to keep that energy and where you're going to outlet that energy. And I think that that is so amazing because when you have insight to give to one of those kids, it's profound. It's changing their lives. And I think that that's really exciting. And you can pick up who needs it. Like you 
with fat sensitivity can pick up which ones of these young individuals that you can just put a little spark into, put one little piece of change into. And so it's bringing me tears. I'm just, I think that this is really, really you. <laughs> it's that's and you're I mean yes all of the above everything that you've just said does connect I feel like the thing that's that's hard is sometimes you know for me because and it's interesting because it's like I don't view sensitivity in others to be a bad thing um I don't know it's it's almost like there's there's a practicality to what I do that I don't I don't, and that's the thing is like, it's hard to see that from my, my penetrating gaze doesn't penetrate inward. So that's, what's really great about having somebody that, that does read these things and then is like, oh, now I know how I can, I know I understand you better. And that's really what I think. Like I was telling my friends from California who um, he's very skeptical and I don't expect him to believe anything, <laughs> but it was like, you know, that's the thing is like, whether you believe it or not, this helps me understand you better. And it helps me relate to you better. And my sensitivity, I feel in, you know, I think that it seems like every single channel that we talk about, I will somehow round this back to sobriety. And I won't apologize for that because um, it has become where so much of what I would do is keep myself in places where I didn't really feel comfortable or keep myself in relationships where I didn't feel comfortable but the way that I could do that was by numbing myself to that discomfort. Um, and it really made me very insensitive. My drinking made me an insensitive person because I would say things, I would do things that were just not aligned with the kind of person that I am. I, I mean, you I were would, putting it on as armor. Yes. Like you were literally putting the, the alcohol on as armor in order to defend your sensitivity to everybody else's emotions. And yeah. so like literally that's probably the change that I'm saying that I see so completely clearly now is you don't even put yourself into those situations anymore. You don't need any armor. You can feel when you need to be somewhere and when you don't, you can yeah. feel when. So, mm -hmm. and, and the sensitivity, like thinking back to when we worked together at EBMS is like, picking up on the needs, uh, you know, understand that whole understanding needs, um, you know, my own need to feel like a savior versus the need to just make sure that the job got done and not necessarily need accolades for it. Like, you know, there was a lot of just needing to make sure that I kept my own, you know, ego in check because a lot of it really want, I wanted, I wanted the recognition from someone but most of the time, the recognition was far, far less important than what I could see the needs of the tribe was, which is when people would call and need help. And I remember one very specific person, and I don't know if you ever know about this lady at EBMS, but she had a really terrible cervical cancer and ended up, she, she did end up passing away, but she got a hold of me and they were denying her, um, radiation because the radiation that the doctor chose wasn't for her type of cancer. And so she was, so I was helping her formulate a plan to appeal 
And also because the doctor, it seemed like had done the wrong thing. Um, it ended up that she didn't have to pay, but she didn't end up passing away. But I mean, that was one of those things that um, I still see her in my Facebook friends list because we became Facebook friends. And when she passed away, her husband called EBMS and got a hold of me and made sure that I knew and thanked me for, for the help that I'd given her and just the little bit, the little bit of friendship and support that she got when she was going through something really, really, because she was in so much pain. Um, but that was one of those things that even now, sometimes when I'm like typing in in Facebook and it starts to predictively like suggest people that you can tag in something, I'll see her and I'll be like, I don't know. It's just one of those things that will probably linger in my memory for the rest of my life. Um, and I've always felt like that sensitivity about, you know, see, feeling soft hearted and, and not necessarily wanting to feel so soft hearted because you're, when you're soft hearted, you tend to feel a little heartbroken all the time. A lot, a lot heartbroken, Mary. That's, that is why the word sensitive triggers something in you because it also means that your heart is so soft that it gets broken sometimes. Easily easily, easily hurt. And and really that was one of the big growth things for me is really recognizing how much of my own hurt feelings were not anyone else's responsibility, but mine. And not to say to desensitize myself, but really to examine and be aware of what especially those little pieces inside me the little the little mary rose that we've talked about like that inner child piece of the one who was rejected by little kids and therefore has sought out people that even in adulthood rejected her as a child because there's a piece of her that she's still trying to fix there's a piece of her that still feels very broken from that um I was when the reading that I had, and this was like one piece that wanting to be needed and needing to be wanted is critical to happiness, which is in both the website that I was looking at, as well as my book said, wanting to be needed and give support and needing to be wanted and be supported is critical to your happiness. And that piece, because I read it in both my books as well, really was like, oh, that's why we work so well together. I do need, I need you in my life and you need my reflection in your life sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I mean? And so I really, I, I loved that piece. The other, the other thing is I went and read through the gates too. Cause I really, that's I was reading through the gates because I was like trying to find just a little bit more mm-hmm. research for this. Cause I'm like, shit, this feels light. This one was like the, the one book of mine says that, that 49 is the gate of principles. And this one really resonated with me about you because it's like 49 is the gatekeeper that allows the flow of energy to move towards the partnership or not. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. It determines like they, they go on to say it could, it's also referred to as the divorce gate because like logically it says that there's a lot of black, which means that there are lines. You you draw you draw lines and boundaries, and your principles run deep. So when you, it made me think about you and Thad in your guys's like sprout of relationship. You must have been really good at 
making those rules or whatever those boundaries, your principles are, you and Thad's principles must at the core be really, <laughs> I know it's, I know you're laughing, but I know, but well, really, I, think that, I think that that is, I think that the principles that really do align with us are that I, I think, and you're right. I mean, if we were to really dig around and like, figure out what those are there's so many things that I would laugh about and say like we're absolutely not aligned on so many things but like the deepest principles are our responsibilities for ourselves mm-hmm. we are responsible for ourselves and really you know even if he can sometimes be a little bit of a shit we are responsible for our own happiness mm-hmm. and that the other person is not here to make us happy and that we need to to build autonomously a life that we can share, but that we both can live in separate from the other and still feel, because I mean, that's the thing is we've never been so interdependent that we, you know, that there's just never been that same. I mean, there's been reliance at times, like I especially when I had cancer, but at the same time, like, I just, I feel like that is at, at its core, we, we did have to kind of do some trial by fire and realize that we could be happy together. We could be happy separately. We, we choose to be together. And that's a big piece. Um, I thought this one was funny. It said, gate 49 places you at the top of one of these hierarchies. You feel a need to be obeyed. <laughs> um, but this, this piece is what I, I, I've gone into my book and I highlighted in my own channels one line out of each gate that really that that's that's it's usually right in the middle and said your sensitivity or insensitivity towards people and animals and their specific needs is based on a resonance with your own principles in other words the people you accept into your circle are those willing to stand by you and support your principles and the rest you will be inclined to reject so i mean yeah i think that's that's the thing is that, and I've now seen my principles clarify. I don't think that they've changed. They've just got, I've, it's like kind of, we've wiped, we've cleaned the mirror and they got really clear. And that's when I realized that people that didn't align with my principles, that I didn't need to keep. I, and that's where it's like that falling off, that the, it's the, the, the divorce really came from understanding when my principles didn't align, I just stopped talking to that person. Mm -hmm. There's no need for a conflict. There's no need for a confrontation. It's that simple. I don't need to announce to someone why we're no longer going to be speaking. I just stopped talking. Um, It's like you close a door and that's fine. Yep. Um, The other thing that this went is that there's a, this gate has a lot of, black with it which just means rules are rules like when you set a rule I feel like that that is really the case and you know going back to the relationship that you're very clear on what the principles of the relationship agreement are and you just explain that really clearly and I thought that that was really really interesting because your relationship with your husband is enviable and I know that sometimes you'll laugh about that <laughs> but it is because you guys have such a clear base agreement. Um, you're one of the only couples that I've ever like really envied and watched because you guys have separate lives because you guys, you know, go on, go on little trips separately sometimes, but then you're also able to really have a great time as a family. 
taking your kids places. So I'm really excited for you to go over New Year's Eve, you know, and, and have a little family trip for the for the night. And I just think that that's really a fabulous part about your relationship is that your rules are rules, but the rules are not conventional for a marriage. It's not right. you have to do everything together all of the time. So I just think that that's very enviable because so many couples think that they have to do everything together all of the time. And that that's what a marriage is about or a relationship is about. And it's not being, like you said, our core number one responsibility is to be happy and be responsible, responsible for our own happiness. Yes. And if everybody thought that way, because your partner is not responsible for making you happy. They're not. Even if you're married. Love, love really only carries you so far mm-hmm. because there, you know, love, there will be times in a relationship where there's not that much love. What's going to be left when there's not much love? Is there going to be obligation? Is there going to be resentment? Or is there going to be a mutual respect? And also like in this gate 19 saying you bring to others the awareness of the what resources are needed for everyone to survive as well as thrive and achieve their personal or communal potential. So that has been for me, I think, huge in this last year of not, of not working a 40 hour nine to five job is being able to see what, what's needed for the children, for my husband, for, and other people, but being able, being able to be aware of what that is and, and provide that like that is, has really turned into kind of a, you know, a strong suit of mine is to say, I may not, pull in income the same way, but I am providing a resource that if I didn't have all the time to do it, no one would understand. Like when, if I went back to work, what the fuck do you think these guys would be doing? I mean, they'd probably be like, oh man, you know, now they're, now they would be taking on the responsibilities for shit that I've been really making sure gets done handled surviving not like you know they can't survive on their own but i'm seeing that so clearly that now i've made myself indispensable in a way to to the family structure in a way that when i was working 40 hours a week i just i didn't it was not useful to work a paycheck yeah i was a paycheck when you work 40 hours a week you've you've become now you've become all the intricate parts of the household that you needed to, that, that were, yeah, I, it's like your superpower. I love it. I love that you've made yourself indispensable in that manner because you are. Yeah. And I think that that's the thing is as a society, we put so, so much value on that paycheck. Mm -hmm. We put so, so much value on whether or not someone is contributing to the economic growth of our fucking country. And it's like, Remember when, when women and men and children contributed to their family. And when I was reading yesterday that there was some article that Fox news was talking shit about how many 20 year old men are still living at home and, and saying that it makes them less masculine essentially was kind of the, the, and I was like, you know, at one point, 20-year-old men lived at home because that's where they were being helpful and useful. And going out into the workforce was 
the decision of the capitalist society. It wasn't the decision of the family structure. The family structure sacrificed their sons for the sake of a capitalist society. Boom. And then their daughters. <laughs> and then their daughters. Oh, it's just, it's so a, we could go on and on about that. Um, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of other things. We've, we've, you know, I wrote some things down. Some things made more sense than others, but I think we really touched on the, the key points of this particular channel. And you're right. I kind of think that this one is a superpower that, um, it's just weird because then you're like, well, how do you, how do you exploit this channel into something that will make you money? <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the point. I don't think that's the point, but. But it explains a lot about the, the positions that I've taken and the, my desire to help others mm-hmm. and fulfill a need and really listen to people's needs, ask them questions, find out really what that is dig around a little bit deeper than just the surface level because, and that's really, you know, projectors in and of themselves, it's not even the advice that we give that's of value. It's the questions that we ask. The questions are, are the priceless piece. The advice, honestly, take it or leave it. It's the questions that really hold the, the secret sauce um, to, to the projector magic. Yes, it is. All right. Well, our next channel, I just want to look because that way we can have kind of a little preview of what we'll be talking about. So this one was the channel of synthesis. So the next one on my list was the channel of mating. Yeah. We'll do the channel of mating. And Which then is, you, the 659, that's yours. And then we'll be wrapping this up already. Yeah, we're wrapping it up already. Because once we're with you mating, then it'll be my channel of judgment. And then the series will be finished. All right. Well, I think this is a great way to close out our year and start out our new year. Yes. Excellent. So, all right. We'll be back with a new channel next time. In the meantime, um, you know, this will be far after the new year, but hopefully as you're in the new year now that your new year is going fabulously. All right. Thank you, Mary. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye. Bye.